legislative sessions are underway, as I've been telling you throughout the afternoon. Uh, Minnesota, South Dakota, and right here in North Dakota. And proposals all across the board on a variety of things. And one that stood out to me was a proposal when it comes to, well, changes on superintendent pay, mergers of some of those smaller districts. And it caught my attention for a variety of reasons. One, being a small town Class B boy myself, uh, you know, I, I think about how big of a struggle it was to recruit, retain some of those high-end positions. And I can tell you, just the over the holidays, I was, I was visiting with some people that actually go out there and got elected to those school boards and talked about the struggle they have in some of the superintendent recruitment as well. What in Bismarck, there is a bill that has been introduced. It's House Bill 1251 that would, in fact, uh, change some of that. It would cap K-12 superintendent pay. It would merge leadership in the small districts. And I was kind of curious how that's being received. I know there's been some, uh, some support and there's been some opposition. I want to start off with those that are opposed to that. And to do so, Dr. Amy Kopas, she's the Executive Director at the North Dakota Council of Educational Leaders, joining us right now on KFGO. Dr. Kopas, thanks for taking some time. How are you today? Hey, I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having, for having me. Uh, so explain this bill uh, to me and to, to the listeners out there, because you've got a lot of people in rural parts of North Dakota that are listening. Uh, and what, what's the aim here uh, in the, the purpose this was even introduced? You know, the aim on its face value and when, as re- introduced by the representative from Minot, and the way he's been advertising it is at a cost savings to local districts and to the state, and that there's a belief set that that money could get reinvested into other positions, such as teachers and other positions, and that there's a belief that there is um, basically some efficiencies. That's what he's been saying. Um, we, however, have maybe a little bit of a different look at that particular notion, and I'd love to talk to you more about that today. Yeah, yeah, I would. And in full disclosure, uh, Representative Ruby, uh, Matt Ruby from mine, I did reach out uh, once he knew I was going to be talking about this subject, and he's going to be joining us today mm-hmm. to give his perspective. But, uh, you know, I, I find myself in the initial stages uh, in opposition to this as well. So I'm going to put that out there in full disclosure because, it, to me, it reads so much like an overreach. You know, we, we sit and we pound the table saying, ah, we're all for local control, you know, that those local individuals are best at making their own decisions. And then this seems to be the latest example of Bismarck telling those local decision makers what they can and cannot do. I'm curious what what, what your take is on this bill. You know what, you're absolutely right. This absolutely goes against local control that are the – Tyler, you and your role, and as Senator and so many others have fought to preserve for years, this is absolute overreach. And, you know, we get frustrated when, um, as North Dakota, we're a good conservative state, we get really frustrated when the feds overreach into our world. Now what we see happening is legislators overreaching into all of our rural communities saying that we cannot trust you to make your own decisions, and they're going to force local communities into this position where they cannot have the superintendent they may want to. So it's definitely a, a huge loss of local control from the very citizens that we elected into office to make decisions for us that best fit our students and our communities. I, I also find, uh, well, let me start off with that, the, the recruitment and finding the superintendents you want. I know of a school district, uh, two school districts, uh, struggled to find the superintendent. Uh, in fact, got somebody out of retirement to be a part-time superintendent. Well, about 30 mm-hmm. miles down the road, they also were struggling uh, to recruit. So. They made a phone call, and now that individual that was retired is doing part-time at both these school districts just trying mm-hmm. to do the job of what two people should be doing here. I think that is a big order to ask anyone of, doctor. 
You know, it absolutely is. School districts have always had the authority to be able to share superintendents if they wanted to and if it fit their community. And we do have some school districts with separate school boards that have chosen to do this. I know of several. It can be very, very difficult to put this off, put, pull this together in the best of circumstances when both districts decided it was in their best interest and certainly not when they were forced their hand to do this. Now, there is a shortage. I, I, let me address that for a second. Just like in every single area of workforce in our state right now, we're short on teachers, we're short on paras, we're short on principals, we're short on superintendents. It's a, per, it's a people issue with regard to workforce in general. Now, I can tell you, though, that we do absolutely have superintendents in the pipeline. We have people applying. We have a good amount of people applying. And when it all shakes out at the end of the year, occasionally we have some late districts where they end up with a, an opening later in the year, and it's a little bit more difficult for them. But traditionally, we get through that year, and the next year they're able to find a high-quality person that's a good fit for their community. Yeah, and somebody that wants to be there and perhaps wants to, mm-hmm. to have their family be in that small town as well. Um, I, I just think this mm-hmm. consolidation in the name of saving taxpayer dollars, especially on the property tax, which is something I advocate for, but I've also made it a point mm-hmm. to say, you know, because the, the, on one hand they try to say, well, we're doing this for property taxes, but also we don't levy property taxes in Bismarck. But I often say it's what they decide to do and what they decide not to do also directly impacts it. Now this uh, – cap issue is the other angle of this bill that that strikes because we talk about uh you know not having mandates of what you can charge for something who you can pay what amount to i, I think again if we're trying to recruit you got to be competitive uh, in, in this uh this field and i think for a long time when it comes to teachers we were far behind for a long time we made a good stride in that but i think we could still do better i imagine it's got to be the same when it comes to superintendents doctor Oh, you, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's really important to note that in 60 plus of our districts, we have superintendents that are already currently in a combination role, which means that they're doing two administrative jobs, like superintendent and principal mm-hmm. and maybe AD. And they might be driving bus and possibly doing snow removal as well. When you're, you know, as a former class B superintendent myself, you wear all the hats in the school district. Absolutely. So when you look at those schools that are already doing a dual role, which is a good fit for their community, that's awesome. We also can't forget that oftentimes we have people with a PhD with 20 to 40 years of experience in these communities that absolutely do do a ton of work. And the pay that they receive isn't as far off as you might think. So, you know, Tyler, DPI puts forth um, pay, pay information on all of our superintendents, and we always have a couple outliers, some of them oftentimes with 40 plus years of experience they have been around a while. But if you extrapolate out data and put everybody onto a 12 month contract, it's pretty reasonable when you see the breakdown of leadership for, and all the way through. So um, it's, it's a little challenging and disheartening to me yeah. that a little bit that all of the bill sponsors are all urban legislators and not one rural legislator is on board as a sponsor of this bill. So that kind of tells you that, you know, this is a, a hit on our rural communities. Well, yeah, and that that's a, another one of those uh, issues that, that I take as well. I, I mean, I live in the urban area now. I mean, I, I'm just outside of Fargo. Growing up in a town of 400 people, you know, that nostalgic, you knowing that, that you have a community that's out there that they're trying to find and they're trying to make do with what they can. But sometimes, uh, as you say, one individual is doing three, four different roles, and it kind of seems like this is 
uh, almost a level of disrespect, saying, well, you can't make more than this if you're going to be out in that area with that number of students because you don't deserve it. And I, just, I, I couldn't disagree with that concept more. Dr. Amy Kopis is our guest, uh, the Executive Director at the North Dakota Council of Educational Leaders here. Uh, so uh, w- what's next here? Has this bill been heard? I mean, uh, aside from those lawmakers, who's in support of this? I have not met one individual yet that's in support of this outside of a, a few handful of lawmakers. Um, as I get around and I'm visiting with rural lawmakers, I was doing that earlier today, and many, frankly, many of them that operate much, many of our larger schools and our, our mid-sized schools, they're a bit flabbergasted by this. So we'll see how it shakes out. The bill just dropped yesterday. It was just assigned a number, and so it has not received a hearing yet. But I would anticipate that um, there's going to be a lot of people that are quite upset. So I represent school superintendents, but I also represent principals. And here's a notion to re- keep in mind. If you have one superintendent governing maybe three or four different districts, that makes every building principal really like a quasi-superintendent or assistant superintendent. So they, their number of duties on a day-to-day basis will absolutely dramatically increase. What does that do for their ability to support our teachers and support our kids? So look at this. Then is the next step that they, we need to hire a, quite a few more assistant principals? So th- there are just so many levels to this. And I can't imagine how difficult the concept would be for us as I create an analogy. How would our local lawmakers feel if the federal government decided to cap what they could make? That, yeah. you know, local districts can make the decision on what fits for them with the budgets that they receive. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, those taxpayers have uh, a say when they vote for those lawmakers and or those uh, board members. All of that is something that I think we pride ourselves on, and we, we talk about it during campaign season. And then for whatever reason, uh, lawmakers get together in Bismarck and say, yeah, but they're not doing it the way I want them to. So I'll tell them how that uh, they should be doing it. And we're going to give an mm-hmm. opportunity. I, I know I know that those that are in support of this are listening right now, Doctor, because uh, once they found out you were coming on and I was talking about this, I got a message from uh, Representative Ruby. But, you know, he's in, uh, you know entitled to have his uh, view as to why he introduced this. Uh, I just, I, I, he's not going to find much agreement from me. One thing before I let you go, because you mentioned the 12-month contract and how some of this pay uh, makes sense. One thing that I always hear whenever we talk about public schools, in particular teachers, is, well, you know, they don't work 12 months out of the year. You represent principals, you represent uh, superintendents. Uh, describe what they're doing year-round and why the, the pay mm-hmm. should be subject, subject to uh, those rural districts. Yeah, absolutely. So our, our superintendents work a 12-month contract. Oftentimes, principals are typically on an 11-month contract and that, so that their pay is commensurate with that. Typically, when you look at a superintendent, a PhD is preferred. Um, our master's level administrators, they, at a minimum, our, our administrators need to be at a master's degree level and with certifications in whatever area that they're in. So there is a genuine difference. And while I was a teacher, um, you know, there's a lot of people that I know very well that are teachers. And they do put in some time in the summer. They are on typically a nine-month contract. So their pay is commensurate with that. If you would take that and you'd stretch out to a 12-month year and you look at what their pay would be, if you would take that same rate of pay, break it out into an hourly and move that to a 12-month contract, um, it absolutely changes the landscape quite a bit. There's not as much of a gap as one might perceive. Um, and, you know, I, I understand that there's going to be varying viewpoints on this without question. But if the real baseline issue is that 
this is um, more of a conversation where we want to get schools to consolidate. If that's the background of this, then let's have that conversation. If, that, if that's the precipice of this, if that's really what we're going for, let's have the real conversation and uh, not perhaps put it under the guise of limiting local authority and the opportunity for our local school boards to make decisions in the best interest of their communities. Well, and I'll give another uh, buffer for uh, those that are going to be joining us in support of this tomorrow. If it's about, uh, you know, if it's about saving property tax dollars, well, you know what? Pick up more of the share from the state level when it comes to the per pupil. I mean, if it comes down to construction, you've got the means to, to cover some of the costs yourself out in Bismarck. So, Dr. Kopitz, I know you've got a heart out here, but I appreciate you taking time on short notice. We'll be following this bill. I appreciate your time and expertise. I appreciate you very much, and I'm at your disposal whenever you need me. All right. Thank you, Dr. Amy Kopis, again, the Executive Director at the North Dakota Council of Educational Leaders. Your thought, House Bill 1251, they want to cap what superintendents can make. They want to merge some of the more rural districts. Is this something you favor? Uh, is it something you're opposed to? We, we will give... Uh, the supporters, in fact, the, the bill sponsor, Representative Matt Ruby out of Minot, you know, equal opportunity, equal time to come on and explain uh, in his own words why he thinks this is a good move. That will be taking place tomorrow. In the meantime, it's you, me, this microphone, your cell phone. You can call in to 237-5948 or text in to 35270. Get you this weather update from Two Tall Tom Schmansky. We'll wrap up the second hour of Afternoons Live next. Around.